Okay, Jake. Well, I mean, to start this off, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, you've, you've went from radioing for, for quite a, quite a long time to now you're starting to get into the, the fraternity game a little bit and uh, got, we've got a couple of horses, got the stud horse, the rays of pep. So just kind of take me through that. Like uh, what you got going on right now? <clears throat> well, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, a lot of my friends are involved you know, mainly like Caleb Driggers and Kobe Lovell. And I, I've been watching it for quite a few years just because I'm, uh, you know, I'm just a fan of team roping and I'm a, a big fan of good horses. And it's something I've been looking, you know, kind of casually looking to get in, involved in and, and not really knowing exactly how I wanted to be involved. And, 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 you know, with still pursuing, you know, obviously those, those rodeo dreams, like I guess a lot of people have, <clears throat> I, I didn't know when the right time was. And, you know, uh, it came, it came up this, I believe it was the, I can't remember if it was the end of the fall or the first part of this winter when I was talking to Caleb and he just said there might be an opportunity to, uh, buy that stud horse that Colby Lovell had done so good on at the, uh, the American Rope Horse Fraturity Finals there in Fort Worth. And I was immediately, I was intrigued and, uh, you know, we did some research and, and, you know, I, I've known Colby since high school rodeo, so talked to him quite a bit. And, and, uh, it was just an opportunity that I felt like I was like, man, if, if this is, if there's ever a time to get in, I, I was like with both feet, this is it right here. So I just, uh, decided that I was going to go all in, I guess. I like that. And, uh, the horse's name is Raise of Pep and, uh, yes, sir. and that would make him a, a dual ray and a dual pep and he's that 2017 stallion so obviously like be, being around horses and you've headed for so long you've always had great head horses so there's there's something there with this horse so w what are the kind of characteristics or like what are you looking for as far as like I mean, you start, basically started a breeding program right or as, you know as far as like promoting a stud um so what is it about this horse or you know that you kind of chose to, to go with this one as for a head horse and, and to kind of move forward with. Well, whenever I, I got to watching those videos and, and, you know, like I, I'd always, I'd watched the rope horse fraturities and, you know, just like anybody, I was a fan of it. But when I really went and went to like studying this horse and <clears throat> watching him, first of all, you know, he, he does both sides, you know, in the team roping. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, just watching him work and how broke he was and, and I always have kind of leaned toward really enjoying like a smaller framed, but, you know, stout, like shorter strided, quick footed head horse. I, I have fit my style of roping better. And the more I watched, I was like, man, that, that looks like something that, that I could, you know, see myself heading on someday or, or like something that I would like to, to ride. And so that was, you know, like part of the deal whenever Colby and I, had made our deal and Caleb was here and Colby brought him up to ride him. And I was like, man, I just want to, you know, be around him for a second, just lope him around. And, and I, I got to see him and he was, a he was, I thought, man, he's plenty big and stout enough to head on. And the way he moves and stuff, I was like, wow, like this is a, you know, and, and to be honest, like most head horses aren't nearly as broke as he is. So it was a feel that I had never really experienced before. And I was like, my goodness. And, and, and I only ran two steers on him because I just wanted to know if he had that feel of like, could he go on and be a big time head horse? And I run two on him and I was like, man, that's, you know, that's all I need to know. Cause he felt, you know, he felt like 
you know, and you never know if it can, if it's always going to turn out, but I thought, wow, that's, that's, that horse at least has a chance to be a real deal head horse. <laughs> well, and I think too, with those horses like that, the, the foot speed has to be there mentally. They got to be able to keep it together in the box. And, and that's probably the best thing about knowing that with the fraternity is um, the, it's, there's a few of those setups that are really demanding as far as if they can make it through them and perform, you know, they're, they're, they're battle tested, I'd say, you know, and I think that's, that's the other thing. And then, and then knowing where they come from. And I think that's, it just kind of all makes sense. So um, let's talk about this, you know, cause you, you've rodeoed for, for a long time, man. And you, you know, for like the fraternity side of it, uh, you're starting to show them a little bit as well, too. So what what's that transition a little bit like as far as the difference between heading on uh, fraternity horses and what, you know, what you have to do for like maybe your roping or how you're preparing them or what does that look like? <clears throat> you know, which and I'm I'm so new into this. Obviously, I've got a lot of learning to do myself and, and improving, but uh, and that comes with, you know, being around guys like Caleb and Colby and Trevor that, you know, I can call friends that that will give me advice and tell me what I need to do and help a lot. But it it's more so like the rodeo and it's I was always more focused on myself. And, you know, I was and I was one of those guys that would always rather ride an older, more veteran head horse. So they kind of knew their job and I could focus on me, you know. Um, and, and now into the fraternity deal, it's, I've got to rope and slower cattle at my house and, and, you know, trying to really focus more on what I need to do that day to keep that horse working or to teach him something new, or, you know, it may, it may be bring up a set of stronger steers and just, you know, expose him to, like you said, some of those fraternities have a a little bit, there's some tough setups for five and six year old head horses. And so maybe expose him to a little bit stronger cattle and a rougher setup to where then I can see how he's going to handle it at the house and then back him off for a couple of days on some slower, easier steers just to make sure that we keep his mind calm and keep him doing things correctly. But uh, it, it's been fun for sure. Like it's almost revitalized me because uh, I have been rodeoing for a long time, you know, with, you know, limited success here and there. But I just I just love the sport of team roping and and it's like this kind of gives me an avenue to where I I feel like I can stay involved and stay competing for, you know, a lot of years uh, to come doing something that I enjoy so much. So it's, it's, it's been really fun. And and I think it's going to be challenging uh, just because I I competed at my first horse show. uh, I guess it was last weekend that the platinum, the Quinity platinum medal fraternity and uh, just being there and, and seeing how good a horses like Trevor has and, and, you know, Dakota and other guys that, that, that are there that are, you know, of course, guys that I grew up rodeoing with that they've been doing this for several years now, but, but it's fun. It's, it's a fun and a challenge I, I can see, you know, coming ahead. So what do you think of the, the biggest challenges, especially for someone that might not know what they're getting into? Cause I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are, that, are curious about this transition like i mean me personally like i i have no idea what it takes to to start putting together so if you were to if you were to like give some advice or some maybe some challenges or stuff that maybe you didn't kind of see coming or what's that been like as far as you know the first fraternity and like what you figured out with that well i think the hardest part for like guys that grew up 
you know, we grew up team roping and we're always competing against the clock is getting to those fraternities and realizing like, you know, and every one of them scoring systems a little bit different, but realizing that, you know, at most of them, you know, getting an extra swing here or there and setting your horse up or, or allowing your horse to show off whatever he does best, you know, and show his, you know, work, how he works, how he faces, how he pulls without, you know, real, without thinking about the time so much, like slowing down a little bit to, you know, like if, if I take a couple extra swings and put my horse in a good spot, yes, I'm, uh, you know, a second longer than I should have been, but the, the score difference in being, you know, seven flat and eight flat is, you know, most of the scoring systems is not, doesn't equate to maybe a point or two to where if I show my horse better and there's three or four judges and they each give me a couple points better or worse, depending on how, you know, I show the horse, then, you know, I, it can be a six or eight point swing. To, so, so to me, that's the hardest part. And, and being a guy that had never, you know, I've had some buddies that were in the rough stock events and, and whatnot that are judged events. And so that's all new to me is, is being judged and, you know, having a horse that feels pretty good or, or even, you know, lets me stop the clock pretty good, but then having to go back and watch the videos and, and notice that, man, the reason I didn't get scored is because he doesn't turn off pretty or he, you know, he might've shook his head a little bit right here, or, or he didn't keep the rope perfectly tight as he was facing. So, you know, you, you kind of have to humble yourself and, and realize that, uh, you know, not only does the horse have to work good, but the judges have to like they like the way they work as well. I got you. What about the so so kind of one thing right there that I think is really important is the the roping is becoming less and less important. It's still in there, and you still have to want to rope good and rope sharp and and be s- somewhat aggressive. But it's like the mindset from an open level team roper has always been more or less aggressive with your rope and i feel like a lot of guys like like you do it really really well use your horse but it's it's less now right like the feel for you is like less what you wrote and like trying to head them is more like trying to stay with your horse right that's kind of the feel exactly. that is 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 changing yeah that's what it seems like i'm curious you know the- and, and I don't- right go ahead no, no no you're good you're good Oh, well, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like I know it all because, you know, I've, which I've watched all of them, obviously the last couple of years and, and tried to see what works and what doesn't work, but I've only, you know, I've only competed at one of them. And, uh, but like, you know, like from visiting with all the guys there and whatnot, it's, it just seems like, yes, the time, you know, obviously the time is important. You don't want to go be nine or 10, but the difference in being six and not showing your horse very good or being seven and doing a good job and setting your horse up success, you know, you'll actually score higher on the run that you're seven, you know, rather than reaching or, you know, or, or, or maybe not setting your horse up to turn off good or, or not setting him up for a good face. Like, you know, you can lose more points than you can gain on the time. Right. And, and I think a lot of that is because you can do things with your rope that might catch your horse out of stride or just in a little bit of an awkward situation where, taking an extra swing really kind of puts a little more flow into the run. The, the flow is, is such an important thing in a run. And I think that's the line. You, like the top tier guys in the fraternities, they can kind of ride that. Like Rin Richard is probably my favorite one to watch just because of 
the run he makes looks really similar to a run that he would make at an open jackpot or the rodeos and and understanding like how to do that how to open up steers for your healer but it also just translates right back to the horse and and i think that's a it kind of goes back to the the mental side of this and i i'm i'm curious because you know you are new into it as far as like i think a lot of things these things are fresh but for me mentally rodeoing like if there's something i need to do riding my horse i i can very rarely do it rodeoing because it's so fast and you're pressing so hard and the and the time is so important but if i'm jackpotting i got a little bit more time to kind of like think through it and and focus on that so mentally what has that, that transition been like as far as like what you're focusing on or how how has that kind of worked on uh that side of it right i i think that like rodeoing i didn't even realize how much I would just, I was so focused on hitting the start and then just getting it on the steer that in any way possible, the fastest you can do it, you know, especially nowadays that, you know, I I sent a bunch of practice runs uh, when I was getting ready to go to this last show uh, to Caleb and we were sending them back and forth and like, you know, we were visiting about, hey, you need to do this or you need to do less of this. Like, and it was, it's just such a different for me anyways, it was such a different style of roping, like, you know, almost not hustle quite as hard. So it makes your horse look more fluid and, and not, you know, really, really try to leave my left hand down and not get in my horse's mouth as I was getting ready to throw because you wanted to show him a uh, rating on his own, you know, cause that gets you a little extra points and, you know, just, just sitting down and not like hustling him off in the turn, just letting him have a nice fluid turn and, you know, just things like that to where during the shows you you have to sit down and think and and kind of just more so ease through it and and try to dial back that aggressiveness is, is what I'm doing for myself, you know, uh, to where I can let the horse work and and try to get more points, I guess. But it, it was it's a it's a transition for sure, like and something that's you know I've by no means mastered that I'm you know gonna probably need to be working on it for you know, the future for sure. Absolutely. So does it feel like it's just like a little more like stillness with your riding and, and your body? Cause like, like rodeo and open jackpotting, if a steer gets into an awkward spot where they're like fading off to the right or something, I know like my shoulders or my swing is going to really, really change to try to get my rope where it can go over there. And then the difference now, like for a fraternity horse would be just, hand hand down just ride them over to that spot and then head them you know what i mean like that's that's like essentially what the the biggest difference is right like that just changing that programming essentially that you've you've done for a while to to maybe that type of run right that that's the way you know the way i understand it is like the the way i understand the judging at those deals is they're looking more towards if the horse can do those things, like when a steer goes right, if he will, you know, willingly go to the right and go, go catch the steer, you know, or rate on his own to where I'm not in his mouth with my left hand, making him go right or making him rate. Or like when I rope, I, I'm assuming they don't want a spurring real hard on them, trying to get them to move either less strong or more strong, you know, with our spurs. Like to me, that's what, they have explained to me and the judging is they want to see the horses that are trained that 
will do all these little things correctly without having to be ridden so quite so hard as we would a rodeo horse to where you could take these horses. And I think the goal is to take these horses after their fraternity careers and make successful jackpot or rodeo careers, you know, for these horses. Yeah. And I think that means they have to, they have to know their job and they have to have control of the, of the run. And that means if they're stepping right or stepping left, depending on the horse's level of ability, but if it's a lower number person that wants to get up there close, they can just go do that. And if it's uh, a horse that's going to offer it to maybe a higher level guy, he's going to have the, that opportunity to do it. And and I think it works the same way through the, like I, at least from what I've noticed is handling cattle and how they work handling cattle. Um, what does that kind of felt like to you with the head horses, like moves? Cause I, I watch some horses go and I'm like, there's, they have no control. Their hand is down, but I don't think the horse is under control. And they, I mean, sometimes I feel like they score pretty good still, but sometimes they don't, <laughs> I don't know what, like what, I don't know about that, but I, I just like, I'm curious, like, what do you think that head horses move should feel like and kind of look like, and you know, as, <clears throat> at least for like your understanding of the judging. Right. And, and that's what I'm, I, and I think it would be so hard to judge these deals because you know, there's there's so many different ways a head horse can work, and it still does the job. You know, so they're essentially just doing what they think, you know, scoring what they think looks the best and also has the steer under control. You know, and, and I'll take my, you know, I watch guys, and like I watched that uh, show last week and when I was there, and it's just Trevor was riding that uh, horse they call Clubhouse. It's one of those show-me-the-buckle horses, and you know, he, he helps him a little bit with his left hand, but that horse wants to, you know, like when he, when Trevor ropes, that horse wants to, you know, use his butt and get the steer under control. But, but then he's not, he's not shutting it down too much to where it looks hard. It's just, it, that horse has a really, really pretty move. And, and like, you can sit there and watch, you know, I think there was 40 or 50 horses entered and, you know, there's three or four of them that have a move comparable to that, but that horse was just, he was under control, but he was strong, but he wasn't too strong, you know, like trying to <clears throat> take the steer's head away, you know, and Trevor looked like he could move his left hand an inch either way. And that horse would just listen and pay attention. And I assume that's what they're looking for that that horse did really good at that show. So I, and I know that's what they were looking for there. And, and for me, that's, you know, about as good of an example, you know, for a, a head horse, I, I would have scored that horse high as well. So I, I think that's, you know, very important. And, you know, that's one thing that like uh, Pepper, you know, raised a pep, uh, my stud, where he's he's big and strong, but you can he's so broke. You can you can really ask him to step forward or or, you know, you can even ask him to really shut it down. Uh, we took him to an AQHA show and uh, Caleb showed him and we thought, you know, with the AQHA horse show deals that they look for a little different deal. So we really let him rope and like kind of not, not steer stop him, but almost got him on his butt and let him slide around there. And it looked really pretty. And, uh, it, I don't think it would necessarily work for rodeoing or jackpotting all the time, but you know, a horse that will allow you to do different things, you know, just, just a willing horse, I think is, is really neat to ride. Well, and, and I think that's what creates like a, a, a head horse that you can win on uh, because how many times do you go jackpotting and you'll get where the steers might be really fresh that day and they got to be just a little bit lighter and then open them up. And, and so that's just something that you like 
personally as a writer need to be able to read. And then it might be the next day where they're just a little bit dead and you kind of, you're going to have to move and be a little bit stronger with them. And you know what I mean? And I think that's just part of like the ability to control the run. Cause we rope in so many different situations. And I think that's what, I mean, that's what I think is, it's supposed to look like, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I think that's what translates to right. kind of the <laughs> ability to win on a horse consistently by, you know, by being easy to heal behind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about this, uh, you know, the, the fraternity deal as far as like a program and, and how, like, what's, what's your plan of attack going to be like, as far as moving into it? Like, how do you see, I, I know some guys have just like, they've dove in and they ride a bunch of horses and are you wanting to do that? Or like, what, what does it feel like to you? Like how you want to, to go about it? <clears throat> you know, so right or wrong, you know, this, this is how I'm going to start into it. I, you know, and, and everybody's got different ways and different theories, but I'm a, I bred some, I bred, I think I'm going to have maybe six babies off of uh, raise a pep this coming year. And, and I've got a couple, uh, four year olds and then a couple three year olds right now out of some other studs. And, and I'm just kind of starting slow and wanting to get a feel for it. And, you know, kind of not, not necessarily just ease into it. Cause, cause you know, and the horses will kind of dictate how much I go the next few years versus, you know, if, if one's really is doing really good and I think he's ready for it, then obviously I'd like to be at all of them that I can be around my rodeo schedule. And and but but at the same time, if I don't feel like I have a horse that's doing good, uh, you know, that maybe he's not quite showy enough or or maybe that he's not quite ready for the lights of some of those shows or the pressure. You know, that's kind of where I'm going to use it to figure out how much or or little that I want to go for the next two to three years. And then hopefully, you know, that'll give these horses that are being born, you know, the 23 foals and then the, the horses that are going to be born in 24, you know, by the time they're three to four years old, I should have enough of them around that I've got two to three to four, you know, to show and, and take around and, and, uh, you know, see how it goes from there. But I, I'm just, I'm, I'm the type of person that doesn't really, you know, I, I didn't want to just rush out there with horses that weren't going to be any good. And also, I've been so spoiled uh, by Raise a Pep that, you know, with this being the first year I've ever had a fraternity horse and he's done pretty well at him that, you know, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to go just lose all the time or, or not do, you know, as, you know, not do well. So I'm just kind of going to let see how these Colts do and, and, and let them kind of dictate how, how much I go the next couple of years. Well, and don't you think slow is the, like the key thing from that can be uh, you're going to give yourself some time to figure out like where do they need to be in their practice schedule? Like there's so many different events. These horses are going to be able to, you're going to have to like figure out how to kind of heat them up and get them ready for something. And then also, you know, they're, they're still babies. So you're going to have to go slow and, you know, and be able to, to kind of find the, the line there. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things as a fraternity trainer is between doing too much and, and not enough, right? Is that is that something like you see or what, what, I mean, what do you think about that? I'm 100% agreeing with you there. Like, you know, just I've, I've got these, I've got two six-year-olds here 
right now that are, that are both, you know, doing good. And it's like some days I'll, I'll, I'll make some runs and I'm like, dang, dude, I, I want to ride this horse somewhere like at a jackpot or take him to maybe a, a littler circuit rodeo. And then, I, then I'm thinking, you know, the other side, I'm like, man, he's only six, like you need to relax and just, you know, take him to a 12 slide somewhere and just jackpot on him and let him just, you know, let it, let him develop in time because, you know, I don't know the average age of head horses like at the NFR anymore. I used to kind of know what it, they were, but it's always been older horses and, and, and very veteran horses when people rodeo on them that, you know, these guys like they've got four or five more years. These six year olds do until they're 10, 11 years old to where you feel like they're in their prime as a, you know, jackpot horse or a rodeo horse. So it, it, you said that exactly right. Like I'm also going to have to figure it out you know, and I'm sure I'll make some mistakes along the way of, of, you know, heating one up too much versus, you know, keeping one backed off a little bit to, to, to where it's just going to be a process for me to learn it, you know, learn it as well. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing I'm so curious about as well. Cause like, I, I know for me personally, I, I've, I've rode it on very few horses that were under 10, you know, and the, and the reason I think that is, is mentally, uh, it seems to be about that 10 year old to 12 year old mark. I think what happens is a horse can lose his breath, you know, had ran five, six, seven steers can lose his breath or be a little bit tired or sore. And they don't really change, you know, they'll sit there and score on that one. And, and that, that seems to be a really important steer throughout the day or whatever it is, rodeo. And if it's a lot of runs, but they seem to be pretty trustworthy in the box and, and in the field. And I think that's, that's the one thing for me. I, I've never really understood it yet. And, uh, and there's some of these guys that like Andy Holcomb and I mean, Caleb, you know, their horses are all working phenomenal and sit there and score on these young horses. And I think that's, I think that is um, a unique feel. And it just, I think it takes some time to, to learn that. Cause I, I know for me, that's not something I'm, I would be super comfortable doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Right. No, I, and I, and I agree, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Andy because I, I think he does such a good job with young horses. I've even got a couple young horses at his house right now that, uh, and one of them being one that I felt like I is really talented that I went a little bit too fast with here at my house and he was helping me get him slowed down and, you know, just, and, and that's one thing I'm learning about is just the, that the fundamentals are so huge until you get them, you know, and who knows the number of steers it is till, till they understand their job and it's not too, too big for them, you know, on any stage, but I know it's a lot. And, and, and I'll tell you one of the biggest things I've learned, uh, with dealing with young horses the last couple of years is, you know, when guys want to complain about how much good head horses cost after going through this process with all these young horses and stuff, I'm like, man, uh, those, there's a reason those good horses are worth so much money right now you know, those good, reliable horses right. that you can get on and, and win on at any setup. It's because it, it's somebody's, which most horses are, are freaking natures that, you know, end up being the top one percenters, but somebody has done a lot of good training and spent a lot of time getting them to where they are. So, so it, and that takes a lot of, you know, that's, that's worth a lot of money in my eyes. I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, what about the, you know, as you, you're going to raise some horses, do you have a plan to, to be 
like have the same guys start them and go through like a, a similar program or what do you think is the best way to to kind of raise your horses and as you kind of get them to that three to four year old mark you know where do you, where do you want them to be and um so that they can kind of fit into the the roping side of things like what does that foundation look like so you know with me being so new into this I only know that I've had a few like young horses that were really broke and not to say like, <clears throat> like bri- I don't like them bridling up all, you know, like tucking too much or all that, but just really willing. And, and like you put a leg on them and they move off of it or, you know, anything you ask them to do that they, they respond. And, and I just feel like those horses, you know, not every horse is going to make a top tier rodeo horse or, or a, open caliber jackpot horse but i feel like if you have a horse that's broke and really willing that that will be a good horse for somebody you know some and maybe it's you know my mom's a four plus header and she she really likes to rope and maybe it'd be a horse more suited for her if, if he's you know he doesn't end up with the right foot speed that for something like you or i would like or you know there's somebody out there that a good horse will fit and so that's kind of the the mentality i'm gonna have going into this is you know i'm gonna have I would like to get all my colts really started correctly and broke well to where when we start, you know, roping on them and roping the dummy on them that they, they'll they listen and they'll move the way we want them to move and, and do what we ask them to do instead of having to, you know, fight with them or, or do certain things that, you know, take away from just getting them to where they learn their job. And, and I, so I think that will allow us to make some some nice rope horses more quickly than when you get a good horse like he's a pretty good horse but he's so unbroke and ill-mannered that you're just like you know what this horse is good to rope on but man i don't even really like riding him you know so and that was one thing that like by riding my stud when i got on him and uh brad lund broke him and he is like one of the brokest horses that i have ever been on and i was just like man this is such a nice feeling to it's just a joy to ride you know he's fun to go get the steers up on like so i i i haven't even visited with brad too much about it but but like a guy i would like to get a good guy like that that has the experience and knowledge to get some colts really broke and and then start roping on them and and not try to get in too big a hurry just to go to the dummy and and go to you know roping on them So one thing I think for head horses, um, one of the the hardest aspects of their job is the pressure we put on them in the box. Right. And, and having them like, I think this is the the hardest thing for me to like, at least understand right now. And, and I see like a lot of guys that are like, Andy's another great example. He, he has like a certain bit that he likes to ride. I think he rides a, a lot of Kelly corrections and they're like really slow moving off your hand and, he can like hang on to him a little bit in the box and it's like, but a head horse to score really well, it seems like they got to be able to take a lot of like some pretty good hand pressure right there with the gates or it's like at least the rodeo horses and most of the older jackpot horses. That's, that's something you kind of see. So it's like, you know, when you say like overly broke, like you don't want them to bridle up too much uh, like that, that aspect of it, but you want them to have all the, the rest of the feel right there. So what, like, what do you think on that that part of it as far as, like, where they're, the head horses, where you want them to be, 
so that they're they're comfortable kind of holding a bridle i would say like those are the ones that i've that i have found that score the best but also mine teeter on not being very broke too so like that's kind of the, the right. line i've read and, and i don't right. enjoy bringing the steers up on a couple of mine too you know <laughs> what i mean so it's like i don't really know how to ride that, that line and uh I, is that something like what, what do you think about that as far as like i know your, your stud's really good he scores good like what what does that is it just like to each his own with the feel on the head horses or what do you think there you know, so, and and I've rode a ton of different horses over my career and not all of them score the same. And I have all, I grew up on a horse that you could really pull on. And so, and I, I assume that since I grew up roping on that horse my whole life, you know, from about 12 or 13 to, you know, I rode him my rookie year. So I was 18 or 19 that that was what I became comfortable with. So I tend to want to put more pressure on the bridle in the corner than some guys. And, you know, like some, some guys like to really be loose in there and kind of pick up as they nod. You know, I feel like that sends a mixed signal to the horse. And, and now there, and that's not to say there's some horses that score really good when guys do that. But, like, I don't find myself being one of those guys that doesn't have any pressure on the bit and nods. And then I, I'm pretty – I'm – a stronger type guy. So I, then I pull and it just feels like it just throws my whole uh, timing mechanism off on my score. And, and I don't like that. So what I, I like, I've got to over the years to where I've pulled a little bit less. Like I don't just pull hard. It's almost like I want to be able to pull enough that he knows I'm there and that he respects that. And, and that, that way I can give him the signal of that. When I, when I, release the bridle reins i want him to know that means go forward and so you know some horses that are really broke that are always wanting to break at the pole you know i would ride a light a, a much lighter bit on them than i normally would a head horse and try to put a little extra pressure on them to where they can become comfortable like and it takes so much time you know to, but i want them to be comfortable because in an ideal situation i would love for my head horse to be you know head up like not broke at the pole and just taking a little bit of my light pressure to where when I release his immediate reaction is forward and it's not up to hit the tie down and then forward and it's not you know it's not back either it's just you know moving forward right off my hand I feel like that allows me to get you know the the most consistent start I 100% agree with this. And I think this is what's going to be so unique, right? With these fraternities being good and the rope horse industry itself being so good is it's like you, you, you're going to be able to work on head horses from the word go to do this. It used to be, it seemed like you, if you're like starting with a four or five or six year old, depending on their background and what they had done, that was either there or it wasn't. And I think this is something that can kind of be trained into them now and can really help out. But it it does make it uh, – and I think that's the most important thing because, uh, like, I, like I said on, on the score, and I, I honestly don't – I think everyone that rodeos or that ha- will probably make the finals this year is not going to score on a loose rein. Like they might be light with it, their rein pressure, and then it's going to vary and not everyone's going to be the same. But I think you have to be able to like – you have to be able to give some rain pressure when the gates bang 
to like get that, like that kind of that downhill run, that type of feel, you know what I mean? Where you like release and they're just firing off your hand. Um, and I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot, but I think that's uh, one of the similarities between a lot of, like a lot of headers is they're, they're, they're going to have some rain pressure when the, the gates pop and it's going to be different with everyone. But I think that's, that's a really hard aspect to, to train into head horses um, unless you're doing it real early and, and kind of, kind of working through a program with it. I think. I, I think the same thing. It seems I've had some horses that guys had started, like, you know, you'd buy from a jackpot guy that they kind of, they're like, Hey, I kind of, I don't pull on him very much. Then I pick up when the gates bang. And then it's, it's really hard to get that out of them once they kind of figure that out. Or it has been for me, you know, on, on some horses to where, and, and every, every young horse, it's like, if, if you start in the right way, you know, with a light bit and, and teaching them that we're not, you know, we're not angry and we're not yanking in the box. I'm just giving you a little pressure here and like I'll score a steer and I'm trying to teach him that when the gates bang and the steer moves and all that other stuff doesn't matter. But then when I release the rain, that's his cue to go forward, you know, and, and I've had pretty good luck with that on some young horses. But, you know, I also think that, you know, some horses are just so much more willing to score than others some of them you just try to get by scoring and other ones you're just like oh my gosh i, I leave right when i want to every time and it's just and that and that's such a good yeah. feeling that that's what i'd like to to be able to repeat it's a it's one of the the most unique feeling uh, like on a horse i think that's like i think that almost if they have that it seems like they run to the cow so well and it just translates to making easier runs if they if they will score and kind of leave flat like that it just seems like uh that those horses almost always end up a winner whatever level they you know go to as far as speed and all that it just seems whoever's riding them they they have a chance to win a, a lot of money and i think that's one of the the most important things when when looking for a head horse i i, I really do um so jake you know the kind of the next thing about this man is it's it's a whole learning process, right? So kind of take me through that as far as how do you try to, I mean, you, you kind of, essentially you've had some guys, right? Like ride this stud and, and I mean, you, you've made the finals here. You're a very well accomplished header. You know what I mean? So there's, you've got to take a level of ego out of it and really like kind of step back and learn something new here. So what has that kind of been like as far as, Hey, how do you, how do you decide, like, I, I need to be learning and improving and you know what I mean? What, what What's kind of helped you get to that kind of mindset? Well, when, when I bought the stud, uh, Caleb had helped me, you know, he let me know kind of that Colby might be thinking about selling him and we visited about it. And, and I just told him that, you know, he'd been doing this. Uh, fraternity stuff Caleb has for a couple years and and obviously I mean you don't have to talk about his accomplishments uh you know with how good he is roping and and uh you know has become such a good horseman the last few years and and I was like man it's 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 a lot it's a big investment for me to buy this stud and this is his last year in the fraternities with him being a six-year-old this year and so I was like man I I don't feel like it's the right time for me to, to ride him and try to do all the learning and, and all that at the same time, because for the, 
for the business of, of breeding, I'm like, I, I need the horse to, you know, to win. And I think he can win on both ends if we get the right guys on him. And I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying everybody has a little bit of ego, but I, I don't feel like I'm, I was not too proud at all to say, you know, Caleb, if I get this deal done, would you be willing to ride him and, you know, show him for me all year? Because, you know, I, I do think he's better at it than I am for sure. And uh, so we made a deal that, that he would head on him when he could. And, and uh, actually he started off healing on him too, but then he didn't think he was doing a good enough job. And so he wanted to put somebody else on him. And then, so we've had Colin Vaughn on, heal on him and, and do really good on him. And then Colby's healed on him at some, like when Caleb was gone this summer. And, and, you know, it, it was just a decision that I made that probably the best business decision for me wasn't to ride my own horse this first year. And it, you know, it's a, he looks so good and, and he makes it look so easy. The horse does that sometimes you're like, man, I'd sure like to be the guy showing him. But then I also know, and I've been around long enough to know that, you know, like Caleb ropes so good that, you know, he can make one look good when, where when you get on him, maybe you're like, dang, Caleb's really did a lot better job than I thought, you know, like not saying on, on the stud horse, but as far, as far as letting Caleb ride and, and man, he's, he's done a wonderful job this year that that horse has uh, ended up winning quite a bit and, and uh, then I guess uh, Caleb's going to ride him at the world championship deal in October. And I think there might be one or two others depending on rodeo schedules this fall. But uh, so we're, we're kind of excited for his, his last few months as a, as a fraternity horse. Yeah. I think uh, just understanding that, like, Hey, like someone with experience, it's got, they've got kind of some feel, you know what I mean? And you're going to be, you're going to be trying to get all of that at once and, and just wanting to be successful and looking at it from, from that standpoint, I think, I, I mean, it's a smart, right? Like, I think it's just long-term it's, it's the way to, to kind of set yourself up to be successful. And, and then, you know, the other thing that like, just for like, like I, if you could give advice to someone, but like the importance of being willing to, you know, as we've had this conversation right now i mean you've talked about like some of the challenges and being willing to ask questions but the idea of like learning and trying to have that that kind of that mindset of improving right how like what what is your like what's your take on that or what would some advice be as far as hey if you, if you want to get into this game and be successful like what are some things that you can you would suggest i do as far as like how how to maybe go about it but also like the, their own personal mindset as far as improvement goes and, and maybe being willing to address some things that, you know, it's hard for us to admit that we're not good at or wh whatever it may be that you need to improve on and figure out like that, that level of humility, like what do you, you know, what would your advice be for someone like that that's kind of wanting to get into it? <clears throat> I think that a guy just has to be, you know, humble enough to, to look around and say, you know, like, am I, am I the very best guy that's doing this? You know, so no, the, the answer is no, I've never done it before. So then what, what I would think is, you know, in, in my mindset is, well, I'm going to go find somebody that I respect how they rope or how they ride at the securities or whatever. And I want to go visit with them and, and see what they think and get some, you know, get some information and, 
you know, mo- in my experience of, you know, like a lot of years rodeo now, most of the guys that are the the top of the line guys, the the best guys in the sport at whatever whatever event it may be, they're willing to share the information with you. If if you're if you if you're humble enough to go ask them and, you know, and they can see that you're not just asking them a question so then you can explain to them the way you think it is, but you're truly just saying, "Hey man, I need some help. What do you think?" and you'll let them tell you things and some of those things may hurt your feelings a little bit. You know, I, I know that, you know, I've got some, you know, some guys that I trust to, to visit with me about my roping and, and, uh, one of them being my twin brother. And, 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 you know, sometimes I ask Jim, I say, Hey, what do you think? And he says something. And I'm like, my instant reaction is I want to, I want to get a little bit argumentative, but then I want to tell myself, Hey, you asked him. So, you have to accept that what he says, the, you know, his opinion, he's not trying to hurt your feelings. He wants to see you do well. So then I, I have to, you know, think about that for a little while. And then usually I come around to, man, they're, they're pretty right. Or there's an aspect of what he just said. That's exactly right. You know, in the same way with, you know, with other people, I, I think you have to just be open to, you're not the best at what you do, you know, or, or you have room to improve and that's anyone and you have to not take it personal. I, I guess this would be my biggest piece of advice would, would be like, don't take it personal. If I ask somebody what they think, I want them to be honest with me because how else can I improve, you know? And, and I have to be honest with myself too. Like that's the, the one, the biggest thing I think is, be honest with yourself to know that you need to improve. And then heck you're halfway there. You know, then you can start asking guys and, and there's so many people with so much knowledge and, and just like the, the X factor website now, like these young kids have so many opportunities to, to get on the internet and learn from, you know, the best guys in the world and whether it be Jack Potters, rodeo guys, NFR champions, world champions, you know, that, that's such a huge avenue that the sport should be getting better. Like, like I think there's so many guys now that rope better. You know, the overall talent is so much better now than when I first started rodeoing. And I think that's the credit is that there's so many – there's everybody's video in these days. Everybody's got, you know, access to a cell phone that they can call somebody and get them to send you their video. And you can see what you're doing right or wrong. And, and you know, like when I was growing up, we had, you know, a DVD of the George Strait or the BFI. There was only a couple DVDs, the U.S. Open, that we would just wear out DVD players watching. But we couldn't get on the Internet and hear what Trevor Brazil or Jake Barnes or whoever had to say about heading or their theory on team roping unless you knew them personally, you know, which when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, you probably don't. Then you couldn't hear what they had to say. And, and nowadays – you can get on and listen to a podcast or, or watch them explain exactly what their theories are about heading, you know, roping the dummy. It's, it's, you know, there's just so many incredible opportunities now that, you know, if you humble yourself and, and ask for help, most of the guys are more than willing to give it to you. Well, and that's my long one. Don't answer. take it personal. I think you should be a motivational speaker, man. I was, I was getting pumped <laughs> up. I love it. 
man. It's uh, I want to take you to the, like to, I, the, to the to the opposite can i can i take you to the opposite of that right quick because this is something i Mm -hmm. i think me personally i've experienced a lot of both of this um i used to take everything personal and then i decided well i'm going to take nothing personal and i'm going (laughs) to take advice in and what i realized quickly was there's a there's a time where there's like a line you gotta ride right between uh willing to learn and do things and but not change everything you're doing. Like try to pick a foundation that you want to do some stuff and have, but then know like, Hey, I need to probably add these little things. And so I think that's really important when you ask these questions to know like, all right, if I want to get better at this, um, be really specific with these people you talk to like, Hey, what do you think about this in my roping or my riding? Not like, Hey, what do you think about it? Like, like try to get them to say like, Hey, what is my swing or is it like something with my horses or whatever it is? And, um, and I've noticed that's kind of allowed to, to be a little bit more specific with your improvement. Cause do you, do you find that some guys will like, if someone respectable would tell them to do it, even if it's the wrong advice, they're going to do it. And it will probably take them the wrong way for quite some time till they figure out that that just doesn't work for them. Or what do you think about that? Like the opposite side of it, like, like almost taking too much information in or being willing to change too much with your rope in, or I don't know, you kind of see where I'm going with this. Absolutely. And, And that's why, like when I was saying that earlier, you know, I was saying, <clears throat> like, I have a few guys I talk to that I respect and not that everyone probably can't see what you should probably d- be doing. But like when I talk to my two or three guys and, and that's maximum of, of the guys that I trust or, you know, maybe four that that I that I actually want to know what they think. You know, they're not trying to change my entire swing or the way I do everything all at once because we know that won't work. And I, I want to find somebody that knows like, like I I'm, you know, Caleb Driggers can do things with the rope that I cannot, you know, he, he's more talented than me with his rope. He, so I don't want to try to rope exactly like Caleb Driggers, but he can see things in my swing that I'm not doing correctly that I can change and be the best Jake Cooper that I can be. And so I, I think that's very, you know, that's one thing I try to tell all the guys like, when I visit with them about roping is like there's 15 guys that make the NFR every year and not one of them has the exact same style, you know? And so I think that's important to remember that there's, there's a lot of different ways to be successful about this. And and I do, do think that if you go getting advice from 20 different guys about every different thing that that can probably hinder you as much as it can help you because it'll confuse you, you know, and then when your confidence gets low in this sport, it's confidence is a tricky thing. And, and when you lose it, it's, it's hard to get it back. I, I 100% agree with that. And, and I think it's just like that. If you're talking to someone, don't, <clears throat> I don't think the being defensive is, it's a terrible way to go about it. But if they say something about your swing that you might not like or whatever it is, I think it's okay to have an open conversation about like, and try to get right to the source of it, like right to the root of like, all right, what is going on? And so that way, when you do go practice or we want to work at it, it, it makes it to where you can just, you, you'd be very specific on what you're going to fix or what you're going to, to try to improve on. And I think that's, I think that's the most efficient way to, to get better without, 
without getting that advice where it's like someone that you don't really know and they give you this whole speech and then you take in 20 things and it's just like you just opened up a can of worms that you didn't you did not need to do and it's it's definitely going to take you the wrong way real fast what else you want to add man i i thought this was um this is just kind of something i i'm so curious about guys getting into it and you, you know you've done you've kind of set it up to i really like this path you know what i mean i think you're gonna have fun i, I love the way you ride head horses and then this stud horse is so good it's like well man you just it seems like you've got a really nice setup for moving forward with all this and i was like this is i just honestly being able to talk to you at this point is this is what i find like so unique is like man you're right you're right at the beginning of it you know what i mean and so there's <laughs> i know a lot will probably change but you know what i mean it's like it's kind of a, a really fun time i'm sure for you because it's there's a lot of unknown and it's probably a like a whole different amount of like stress and pressure that's kind of fun to have right it is it's, it's exciting and you know uh only time will tell i guess how, how it's going to turn out but you know I, I believe in that horse that stud horse and then you know we've we've got some pretty good mares around here and we've bought a couple embryos out of some some really great mares uh so at the end of the day we're just gonna you know it, it's all such a slow process that you know getting a horse to three years old till you can kind of start roping the dummies on them and roping some slow steers and you know it, it's if if you if you wait till you think you're ready to get started then you're you know you feel like you're three or four years behind even getting going so uh you know i'm i'm happy with the way it started and, and now just kind of you know, waiting on some of these colts to get a little older and, 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 uh, just, you know, trying not to make any bad mistakes. And if we do make some along the way, try to learn from them and, and keep moving forward, I guess, is, is the only, uh, only thing to do. Yeah, man, I agree. And I think one thing that, uh, for, you know, for anyone listening that's just kind of thinking about like pursuing something, and I think this is important with anything is, the patience part of it and knowing like like literally knowing you're going into this like hey this is going to take some time this is going to take years mm -hmm. like at least <laughs> three three probably five or six you know what i mean before you really really know and so understanding like hey if i'm pursuing this you love it you you want to be all the way in and and knowing that this is what you're going to be doing uh, i think that's um i think that's a really important like measuring stick almost to have when you pursue anything, you know, if you're like, Hey, I'm willing to try it out for this amount of time. I think that's when you, you're on the right track. Don't you? I, I do. And you know, like I, I thought a lot, a lot of, or I thought long and hard about it. And before I got involved in all this and, and cause you know, like, like you said, it, it might be six to seven years before you know exactly how successful you're going to be or you're not going to be. And I was like, the bottom line is I love team roping and, you know, I, I don't see myself ever not team roping, you know, barring a horrific injury or something. So, you know, at the end of the day, if I can be doing something that I enjoy doing and also getting to create some good head horses and heel horses and, and be involved in, in the breeding process and, you know, and all that goes with that, you know, which is also things that interest me. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into, I'm into do this. That, that doesn't sound like a bad, a bad way to spend the next, you know, 10 to, you know, 30 years of my life if, you know, God willing, but. 
Yeah, man. I, I love that. I think that's so important. Um, that was something before I started X Factor, I kind of looked into pretty hard. And that was, I just honestly, that's something I said. I was like, oh, I'm going to start it and we'll just see where we're at in about five years. And then I'll decide, you know, but I'm going to go five and then, and then decide. And uh, I think that was once I kind of made up my mind that much, I was like, all right. I, it, and I think that completely changed my perspective and my approach on everything. I just became so like long term, you know, and I wasn't really worried about the the little things. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they didn't eat at me right. and pick at me as much. And I think that that really did help me out a lot. And I think it, it, you see that with with other people that are successful. It's like, hey, they're they're willing to just kind of grind it out. And uh, it's not a big deal to them. Well, Jake, thank you so much. I, uh, like I said, man, I, I know it's kind of like this is just kind of a unique conversation. I was like, man, what? Very few people are just like right into it like this. And I, I know that. I'm like, man, I just honestly wanted to see what you felt about it and like the direction you're going to go here because I, uh, you know, I, I respect the way you've kind of went about your, your roping, and I think this is something that would fit right in your wheelhouse. So I was like. You know what I mean? I, I honestly, I was kind of surprised you weren't into it a little bit earlier, and so now that you are, I was like, all right. It seems, it seems yeah, like I've, a, I've been thinking about like it. It just you know, well, it, well, it just takes so you know, it's so hard to get into and make sure that you get the right horses, and you know it, that it's just something that I was, you know, and I'm passionate about good horses, and you know, just finally the, the timing felt right, and I, I'm excited about it too, and I, and I appreciate you you know, letting me come on and talking to me, but, uh, hopefully it, hopefully this age as well and things, things work out, but I guess we'll see. I'm sure it will, man. Thanks again. Yep. Thank you guys.